This is episode one, Mistress Damiana Chi's Dom Journey, an autobiographical solo cast. Welcome to Lightworkers Who Play in the Dark, where we bring the darkness into the light. I'm your host, Mistress Damiana Chi, and I have been a professional dominatrix for over two decades. I'm also a certified sexologist and a kink life coach. I hold a PhD and a master's degree in psychology. I am the founder of the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy and the creator of Conscious Kink Community. These podcast episodes will feature different themes like Q&As, where I answer kink-related questions from my listeners, topic interviews with people in the BDSM community, and femdom psychodrama scenes in which I dominate a submissive while you listen in as we get into some dom space and subspace together. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in to listen to my very first podcast episode. I thought it would be a good idea to make this first episode a solo cast, so it's sort of an interview with myself, since many of my forthcoming episodes will feature special guests and listeners of my podcast. I'm going to give you a brief autobiographical background on my life and on my personal Dom journey so you can get a sense of who I am and my philosophies and perspectives in relation to BDSM, femdom, and kink. Enjoy. I have been a walking contradiction my whole life, and I'll give you some examples of that as we go along here. Here is a visual picture of a typical day in my life. I live in a safe, suburban neighborhood of L.A., in a house with a white picket fence with my two teenage daughters, who are the absolute joys of my life, and a dog and two cats. We live a really wholesome, high-vibrational lifestyle of veganism and having loving respect and appreciation for all living beings. I am a normal mom who wakes up at 6 a.m. on weekdays to a busy morning of making breakfast and packing lunches for my girls. Then I drop them off at school and drive to my BDSM studio in downtown called the Chi Temple, where I work as a professional dominatrix and a kink-centered life coach. This is currently my 23rd year as a pro-dom as I make this recording in the year 2022. At the Chi Temple, I uphold high protocol rules that are respected and observed by my slaves. If any rules are broken, I don't hesitate to discipline them. Aside from doing client sessions, my to-do list is never-ending. With things like responding to emails and social media posts and teaching my students in the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, attending to Conscious Kink Community, and most recently creating content for this podcast. I'm also currently writing my forthcoming book, which has been on the back burner for some time now, called The Dominatrix Archetype, which will include my theories and methodology that I use to teach female domination, along with personal anecdotal stories. So I guess I'm not so normal because I really do live a real double life that I'm not able to share with my parents and my kids or anyone in the vanilla section of my life. I tell them that I'm a therapist, which is not a lie, because what I do in my work is absolutely therapeutic. But I was also classically trained as a psychotherapist, which I'll go into later. I'm not out as a dominatrix with my family members because I'm protecting them from what they are not able to understand. I always advise people to be very careful about who they tell about the kink part of their life to, especially family, because you can't take it back. 
I made the mistake of telling my brother when I first started my pro-dom career because I'm close with him, but he's very traditional and closed-minded. He actually told me that he wished I didn't tell him this. But then again, he doesn't understand what it is I actually do. He's not open to hearing ideas outside the negative stereotypes of what a dominatrix is, which is fine, but that just means I stopped sharing with him the details of my dom life and my career, which I'm quite proud of. I was born and raised in LA to first-generation Chinese and Filipino parents, and I've never lived anywhere else. I'm an LA native, which is quite rare. Most people you'll meet in LA are transplants from other places. I was raised with traditional Chinese culture, and we spoke only Cantonese in the house. In fact, I didn't speak any English going into kindergarten. My parents figured that I would pick it up in school, which I did, but my kindergarten teacher told my father that he should start reading to me at home in English. So he did, to the point where I could read it myself. I was the only kindergartner who spoke no English going in and received an award for reading while the other kids were still learning their ABCs. My parents always emphasized the importance of academic achievement. I was a bookworm, considered gifted, and I was a straight-A student. Because I had been taught to be a quiet, demure, good little Chinese girl during my childhood years, by the time I got into high school, my inner rebel broke out. I started talking back to my overbearing mom, blasted loud heavy metal music in my room, wore leather skirts or tight pants with spike heels to high school, dressed like a dominatrix, basically. And looking like this in my honors calculus class made me stick out like a sore thumb. I didn't fit very well with my rock and roll stoner friends either because I didn't drink or do drugs and still don't to this day. So I have always been a walking contradiction, never cared about fitting in. And that was always important to me to be who I was. And I always had a pretty secure sense of who I was. In high school, I discovered the fun of dominating boys, not in the kinky sense, but mentally. Because I had this nonchalant attitude, I had quite a few fanboys who had crushes on me who I enjoyed blowing off. Looking back, they were subby boys, I guess. I did have a couple of boyfriends with whom I was naturally dominant. Every relationship I had had ever since the first one was a female-led relationship. In college, I majored in behavioral sciences with an emphasis in psychology. But it was during graduate school that began my fateful dance with BDSM. During my master's program in counseling psychology, I was given an assignment to choose one of the disorders in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and write about it. During this time, we were using the fourth edition of the DSM, the DSM-IV, and I chose sexual masochism. The topic had always fascinated me, and all the other disorders in the book looked too depressing. At that time, sexual masochism, sadism, Fetishism and transvetism were all considered diagnosable mental disorders. Now, the field of psychology uses the version DSM 5, and all of those are listed under the umbrella of paraphilias, which are quote unquote abnormal sexual interests, and they would be considered a mental disorder if it negatively impacted one's life. Thanks to advocates in the kink community who influenced this update, we are slowly making headway to destigmatize and depathologize BDSM. Incidentally, homosexuality was in the DSM-3 as a mental disorder, which was published in 1980. So it's crazy to think how far we've come in such a short time in regards to understanding and accepting homosexuality as a non-pathological sexual orientation. Let's hope for the same success for kink sexuality. 
Kinkiness, which is any non-vanilla sexual fantasy or act, is a true sexual orientation. It is currently not seen as such in the eyes of psychology professionals or the mainstream public. Anyway, back to my story about writing a paper on sexual masochism. At that time, my sister had a guy who was running errands for her, whom she called her slave. So I asked if I could interview him. I continued to write several papers on S&M, which it was called at the time during my grad school years. It wasn't called BDSM yet. I ended up writing a 350-page doctoral dissertation for my clinical psychology PhD program called The Erotically Submissive Man. Ever since that first interview that I had with my sister's slave, which was probably in 1998 or so, I have been picking the brains of submissives. For over 20 years now, I still pick the brains of my subs on a regular basis because I want to continue to learn from them and about them. Understanding submissive psychology has always been a consistent fascination and interest of mine. It is one of the main reasons why I'm such a good dom, and it is a huge part of the education in the training program in my Femdom Academy. I've interviewed my sub-coaches in my academy several times over the course of creating the course materials and recently interviewed submissives that I've never met in creating the content for this podcast. So how did I become a dominatrix? It began right after that first interview with my sister's slave. I hadn't met him in person yet. He and I had only spoken on the phone, during which we had an intelligent conversation as two normal people. My sister and I were moving out of a place where we lived together at the time, and she said, I told my slave to come over to help us pack. He's going to be wearing women's panties and nothing else, so just put on some high heels and boss him around. I had zero experience or knowledge about how to dominate anyone, so I was just going to wing it. And this sounded interesting. So I came home from work, and her slave was in my house wearing panties and packing boxes. I had never seen anything like this before. But I immediately felt a strong urge to dominate him, but didn't say anything to him right away. Later on, I saw him get up and ask my sister, Miss, may I use the restroom? And she said, yeah, but you have to go sit like a girl. So he went into the bathroom and left the door cracked open about an inch. So I could see him in there sitting on the toilet. I walked over and pushed the door open suddenly and said, you don't get any privacy. He looked up up at me with such a super scared look on his face. And it was a huge rush to scare him and intimidate him. (laughs) I was laughing on the inside, but I didn't say anything more to him the rest of the day. Then I heard from him the next day. And he said, you're such a natural dom. It's shocking. Can I please come to your house and clean it and you can dominate me and I'll give you $50 each time? And I was like, what? This guy wants to pay me $50 to come clean my house? Score. (laughs) So for the next year or so, the slave came over to clean for me and I dominated him. And in between, I would pick his brain some more and he would give me feedback. I learned a huge amount from him during this time, and to this day, I still use the same formula in my Femdom Academy to help my students learn, the model of submissives giving feedback to the doms after they dominate them. Incidentally, that very first slave who cleaned my house, who I met 23 years ago, is still my slave today. He's my longest running slave. Learning from him in that very beginning stage of my dom journey was very educational, but I wanted to learn about other subs too. And I also wanted to be trained in the dominatrix arts so I could become a professional dominatrix. 
I was in my first year of my master's program and working full-time as an administrative assistant to support myself. It was very stressful because I didn't have enough time to study. And frankly, working in the corporate world for seven years was soul-sucking, and although I was good at it, I just couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to do something that was more aligned with who I was becoming, and something that paid me just as much or better than my full-time job in a fraction of the time so I could have more time to focus on my studies. I quit my job and found my mentors, Mistress Sabrina Belladonna and Mistress Ilsa Strix, who were teaching a BDSM workshop series that was open to the public. They were legendary dominatrices in the LA kink scene. I don't know how I got so lucky, but I owe my life to them. I developed a deep trust with the both of them, as they were both instrumental in helping me become the dom I am today. As a baby dom, early in my pro-dom career, I decided that I needed to experience being a bottom to learn how to be a better dom. So for my birthday present, my dear personal slave at the time paid for me to have a two-hour session with the dominatrix, which I requested to have with Mistress Ilsa Strix. Physically, she was quite opposite of me, which is perhaps why I was drawn to her to dominate me. She was a tall, large-busted, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful, Germanic dominatrix. I wanted her to treat me like a real slave, and I wanted to feel it all. She had me naked, kneeling before her as she placed a collar around my neck. And for the next two hours, she proceeded to suspend me, flog me, put me in inescapable bondage, and I cried cathartic tears as she caned me. The next day, Mistress Ilsa wrote the details of our session down in a journal-like essay so we could remember it, and she asked me if she could honor me by posting it on her very popular community website at the time called prodomination.com. Although that very special session was over two decades ago, the mental images and sensations from it are still very vivid in my mind and body today. I remember driving on the freeway after it, feeling high as a kite, and I realize now that I probably shouldn't have been driving right after that session. I know without a doubt that without that cellular body knowledge of having been flogged and caned to the point of having marks for two weeks, I would not know how to push a submissive in corporal play as well as I do now, if it weren't for having received it myself. That session that I had with my mentor, Mr. Silsa, has become a tradition that I have handed down to my own mentees. I have had the honor of topping many of my student doms at their request, and they too have expressed the deep impact these sessions had on them in their own dom journeys. My other mentor, Mr. Sabrina Belladonna, was also very special and important to me in my early dom years. Her appearance was in direct contrast to Ilsa's, which made them the perfect team. Mr. Sabrina was a cool, gothic-styled dom who loved blood play. Raven black-haired, fair skin, sharp claw-like nails, and sharp vampirous canines to match. Her dom style was the one I admired and tried to emulate. I remember vividly seeing her at a party, leaning against the doorway with all her queen-like coolness, and I asked her, how is it that you are so graceful? And her answer was, Oh, it just comes with age. She was right. I am now older than she was at the time, and I feel that I have come into my own queen dom self. Sabrina played a significant part in several areas of my life. 
Not only was she my Dom mentor, she also introduced me to the man who not only built my dungeon furniture for my elegant Chi temple, but whom I also married and had two children with. We met at her and Ilsa's flogging workshop, which is so perfectly cliche. (laughs) Sabrina passed away several years later, which brought deep sadness to many of us in the kink community. She was an icon in L.A., a very unique and powerful rebel in every sense of the word. At the end of Ilsa and Sabrina's year-and-a-half-long BDSM workshop series, I was given a certificate of completion, which proudly hangs on a wall in my dungeon today. On the day of my graduation, my two mentors pulled me aside privately and said, you're going to have to pass this tradition down when it comes time for you to teach. I was deeply honored, but in my mind, there was no way I could teach a class on BDSM. I was dominant in sessions with my subs, but I was still quite shy and only felt comfortable in one-on-one dynamics, and that's why I had wanted to be a psychotherapist originally. But they were absolutely right because I inevitably felt called to teach BDSM and femdom arts. Not because I was called to be a teacher per se, but because I had come to feel a responsibility to hand down the craft of traditional BDSM to keep the art form alive. At every graduation ceremony that I hold for my students who receive their own certificates of completion as rites of passage, I proudly share my own certificate given to me by Mistresses Ilsa and Sabrina as I tearfully honor them and their belief and trust in me as I pass down the traditions of our beloved art form. I always feel the strong presence of Sabrina Belladonna's spirit with me during this sacred share. There was a good span of 15 years or so between when I received my certificate from my mentors and when I presented certificates to my own mentees. These were such significant years of my Dom journey. I had no idea that becoming a Dom would heal my relationship with men and heal me and help me grow and mature into a strong, grounded, powerful woman. I was quite unconscious when I started my Dom journey, to tell you the truth. When I became a teen and I started forming opinions about boys, I looked down upon them, probably because I grew up with my mother's dysfunctional example of a dominant woman who bullied and emasculated my father. She experienced a lot of trauma during her lifetime, so she projected anger onto him in an unhealthy, abusive way. So when I wanted to become a dominatrix, I thought, I know how to bully men and be mean to them. That's easy. I had this attitude when I started seeing clients as an amateur pro-dom, but soon I found out that it wasn't sustainable. It felt empty, disconnected, hollow. The healer in me began to break through, and my heart started to open when I started to really see my client's vulnerability and submission as a gift. As I grew as a dom, the depth of relationship with my clients and subs grew deeper, and I realized that I started really loving men in a way I never did before. I had been seeing the male species as that other half of the human race that I could walk all over. This unconscious acting out was a result of my own unprocessed trauma that I had with men, combined with my mother's unconscious trauma that she had with men, namely her abandonment and betrayal by her father, who left her at a young age to marry three other women in other countries. He was a polygamist. Not to get too much into trauma and the unconscious protection mechanisms that result from it, but this does help us feel more compassion and less judgment for all those doms out there who are playing unconsciously. They are where they are in their journeys. I had to go through my own to where I am now, and I'm still learning all the time.
I learn from my students, from my subs, and from my Dom sisters. The Dom journey is a lifelong one. Fast forward to now. The closest, most intimate, trusting, expansive, ever-evolving relationships that I have in my life is with my subs, clients, and slaves. There's nothing that bonds people closer together than BDSM. When the dom and the sub experience each other in this container, they are transported into another dimension where everything feels more real than the quote-unquote real world. This probably doesn't make sense to anyone who hasn't been there. Some of my clients have become some of my best friends in the whole world. After an intense session of whipping, genitorture, and mummification, we chat about normal life things, about our kids, restaurants, and books, during the post-session cleanup. And when I'm interacting with my personally college slaves in a DS dynamic outside of a scene, everything feels more sacred and special because of the female-led relationship lifestyle and high protocols that I require them to obey at my chi temple. My slaves greet me in a certain lowered position when I come through the door, and my dungeon is prepped the way I like it, with a low mood lighting and incense burning. I place the collar around their necks and lock it. They kiss my feet. Then they serve me my morning smoothie when I sit down at my makeup table. My slaves are not allowed to stand in my presence, sit on furniture, eat, drink, or go to the bathroom without my permission. And if any of these rules are broken, I discipline them with physical punishment. Sometimes I use discipline for no reason at all, just to maintain the differential between our DS positions. At any given moment, if either of us have any real-life issue to discuss with one another, we do that, and it's completely natural. The protocols are still observed while we chat as two people who are close and care about one another. I often go to my slaves for their advice on things because they are all very intelligent, insightful, and talented people. This doesn't make me lower in their eyes, neither does apologizing to them if I unintentionally hurt their feelings in some way. This makes me more real to them, and it actually increases the level of respect that they have for me. My personally colored slaves are my most beloved possessions. When I call her, I don't call her lightly. The color is meant for life. It is a symbol of commitment that is equivalent to the wedding ring in the vanilla world. The only reasons I have ever decolored anyone is if we are not a fit anymore for each other for one reason or another, and this has rarely happened. I'm closer with my personal slaves than with anyone in my life. I trust them with my life. My kink family consists of my personal slaves and sub-coaches, my dom sisters and their slaves, and my dom daughters, who are my mentees. We are truly a family. I always tell them that I'm the luckiest mistress in the world because of them. This span of 15 years or so was my biggest period of personal growth in my Dom journey. It took me a long time to figure it out, so to speak. The training that I received from my mentors was really great, but it was 100% focused on the practical, physical BDSM skills. I am so glad that I was trained in those things because they are very important, but I really did have to figure out the rest on my own. I discovered that BDSM is about 70% psychology because the mind, not the genitals, is the main sexual organ in kinky play. I've always had a natural knack for dominance and a proclivity for psychological thinking, and I knew that my greatest strength as a dominatrix came from mental and psychological domination and controlling the minds, emotions, and bodies of my submissives. When I can see my slave's breathing quicken, feel his heart pounding, 
see the sweat gather on his brow and hear his voice quiver, I know he is dropping into subspace right into the palm of my hand. This is the juicy stuff of domination that I wanted to teach my students how to do. There are plenty of classes to take on BDSM skills, but not this. I saw that there is a great need for up-leveling femdom training with an emphasis on psychological domination skills, so I married my two passions, psychology and domination, and created my own theories and methodologies based on my many years of experience as a dominatrix and professional training in psychology. Because I think so psychoanalytically, I break down everything into systems in my own mind. I created a system for teaching female domination based on what I observed in two decades of my own work with my clients and subs. I could intuitively see that every submissive is unconsciously seeking connection with the divine feminine through the dominatrix archetype if she develops the different energies within herself that make up the dominatrix archetype. I call these energies elemental archetypes, which are the authoritarian, the seductress, the mother, and the queen. When these archetypal domination styles are well-developed within a dom, she will inspire her sub to feel obedient to her, seduced by her, safe with her, and worshipful toward her all at the same time. This is a deep healing process for both the dom and the submissive. I teach the dominatrix archetype methodology as part of a comprehensive curriculum in the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, which is a six-month mentorship and certification program in conscious female domination. And I want to discuss conscious domination in a minute. My academy is truly the thing that I am most proud of because it represents my purpose, my mission, and my passion of keeping the art form and tradition of female domination alive. It is an honor to hold space and build a safe container for these women to grow and explore and to offer them my knowledge and support. The Academy has become more than just an educational platform. It is a soul family of kindred spirits who support and encourage one another to become the powerful Dom they are meant to be. And I feel blessed and honored to bear witness to and walk alongside them in their transformation. Offering education and building community are two things that are tremendously important to me. Building the Academy inspired me to extend that supportive container outside the Academy virtual walls because I could see how important community is, especially for doms, subs, and all kinksters because they commonly feel alone in their journeys. That is why I created Conscious Kink Community, which is a social networking platform that is available on the web and on a smartphone app. What's so special about it is that it's private and exclusive to personally vetted members who are a right fit for this special community. And these are kinksters who share a like-minded consciousness about being respectful and supportive of one another, where we can share and connect about anything kink-related. There is a huge need for conscious kinksters to be in community in a safe container where they can openly and vulnerably share without judgment and without having to deal with findoms, who are people who focus on financial domination, dom imposters, and any kind of negative posting. If this fits who you are and you feel a connection to what I described, you're welcome to request to join us at www.consciouskinkcommunity.com. So what is conscious domination and conscious kink? These are my perspectives on BDSM and femdom that I've been talking about for the past few minutes here. 
Conscious kink is engaging in BDSM, kink, or erotic domination with your partner with an intention of acceptance and holding space for their vulnerability and openness, and playing responsibly and ethically in support of their healing and highest good. Coming from this loving place allows for closeness and intimacy, personal development and discovery, and experiencing higher realms of consciousness. Within the walls of the dungeon, this safe container, the feeling of freedom and the possibilities for expansion are endless. Now, remember that I told you at the beginning of this bio that I have always been a walking contradiction. Before you start seeing a halo forming around my head, I must tell you that I identify as a full-fledged sadist, and I take absolute unapologetic delight in deriving pleasure from other people's consented pain and suffering, be it mental or physical, And at the same time, I am a conscious, responsible, ethical dom who always has my sub's best interest at heart. I know for an absolute fact that BDSM is a healing modality for both the dom and the sub. And this is the viewpoint that I advocate. The title of my podcast speaks to this. I came up with the saying, light workers who play in the dark, to represent dominatrixes as healers. Not all doms are light workers, but those who are playing consciously are. You can tell if your dom is a light worker if you feel better and more peaceful and centered after you've served her. You'll feel replenished, nourished, and more relaxed. A dom is not a light worker if after you've interacted you don't feel good, or you feel confused or regretful or even used. You might feel good in the moment when you get that dopamine hit from the arousal, But that good feeling is short-lived, and you're left with an empty feeling. There may not be any intention to harm coming from that dom, and she may even be a good person. But even good people can do things unconsciously. A submissive is in service to their dom, but a lightworker dom is in service to the emotional and psychological well-being of her submissive and feels a deep responsibility to care for them, even while being wickedly sadistic during play. The middle part of the saying about play refers to engaging in the very real alternate reality that is being created during the scenes. It is so healthy and therapeutic to engage with our play partners in creative play, something that we as adults generally don't tend to do very much of since we were children. And playing in the dark, that's what makes this so amazing. We are able to play in the dark, forbidden parts of our minds and fantasies because there's so much trust built between the play partners that we have the ultimate freedom to explore anything and everything taboo and unaccepted that you can imagine, and even that you can't imagine yet. Playing in the dark can also represent shadow work, which is psychotherapeutically healing as well. Psychologist Carl Jung taught that embracing the shadow, a process of bringing the hidden parts of the self into consciousness, is an important part of inner work and healing. A lightworker dominatrix skillfully guides her submissive into surrender and evokes and engages in all the dark bliss, transmuting pain into ecstasy, shame into acceptance, and fear into love all the while receiving the gift of her partner's submission, allowing her to unleash, express, and embody her feminine power. We are lightworkers who play in the dark. BDSM is sacred, powerful work that saved me and healed me, and many, many others I know as well. I invite you to come play with us too.
I'd also like to give my sincere thanks and gratitude to my music editor, Jeff Nigel, and my content editor, Mistress Persephone Rose, for making me sound so good. Thanks so much for listening to my first episode, and I can't wait to share more with you and connect with you on future episodes of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Lightworkers Who Play in the Dark. I love providing valuable BDSM content to my community. So if you would like to support this podcast, please become my patron by going to patreon.com slash PhD. My patrons receive different benefits, like asking questions for Q&A episodes, free access to Conscious King Community, and personal video chats with me on a weekly basis. The Patreon link and other links to my different websites, where you can apply for BDSM sessions, kink-centered life coaching, the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, and Conscious Kink Community, can all be found on DamianaChiPhD.com. You can also connect with me on social media at DamianaChiPhD. If you love the show, please share and subscribe. And until next time, sending love and kinky blessings to you all.